Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tolman. Welcome back to a special episode of Talk Dizzy to Me. I'm Dr. Danielle Tolman, a vestibular physical therapist, and I will be joined later by my colleague and co-host, Dr. Abby Ross, who is also a vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist. But for today, right now, at the beginning of our episode, we are joined by Holly Smith. And I had the great chance to meet Holly uh, a couple months ago now um, after joining their support group for a, a Q&A session and talking about uh, living with vestibular dysfunction. And I thought it was absolutely so amazing that we were open to collecting a bunch of questions from this Vita Retired Support Group to also do a special Q&A session of Talk Dizzy to Me. So welcome, Holly. Would you mind um, telling us a little bit about you and what you're doing with Vita Retired? Well, hi. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, we are so excited to be able to talk to you about uh, our, our awesome support group and um, how we formed um, as part of the VITA conference from last year. And um, my vestibular journey uh, started, I believe, at birth. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been decades of getting diagnosed and um, going through the stuff, but my uh, vestibular conditions have been stabilized now. And I've had a couple of surgeries for um, SSCD. Um, superior semicircular canal dehiscence. Um, and uh, I've been to years of physical therapy um, with a wonderful vestibular specialist. And that has made a huge life-changing um, progress in my life and um, has been really good. So I'm excited to be here today. Well, we're excited to have you. And, you know, this is something with vestibular dysfunction that we tend to have to have this long haul um, with, you know what I mean? Like, this is something that you find a new normal and you're usually kind of um, uh, dealing with the effects of this for a long, long time. So it's really, really great to um, hear from you guys when we met with your support group about what you guys have been going through and, you know, that you're still working on all these things and creating resources for people, even when they've been dealing with this issue or their issues, you know, longer and longer down the road. Um, very much needed. We were kind of talking before the episode about how there is a lot of resources for people who are just starting out with their vestibular journey, but um, they start to dwindle and become fewer as that journey becomes longer and longer. So I think that was really important that you guys brought that together. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Like as a retired teacher um, who has had to give up being in the elementary classroom, it was a great way for me to um, use my uh, resources and um, skills and also to just connect I think a lot of us are looking for that connection with other people who have been in it for the long run. And um, that's what our group is all about. So that's been so wonderful. And um, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about how Vita Retired got started. I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of those origins and how it became what it is today, which is a really great support group. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. Yes, we're on our, we just had our 44th meeting this week. Um, last year at the VITA support or VITA conference in March, um, Mary, Michelle, and I all kind of connected on the chat boards and the discussion boards, and we got talking back and forth. And in fact, um, Mary and I both maxed out our ability to like have um, virtual meetings before the conference even started. And <laughs> so that's when we knew that our type A personalities would <laughs> click together and um, kind of be able to form a group. We shared um, email addresses and stuff. And um, then Michelle and Mary and I all got together um, to be able to work with Vita on establishing a support group specifically geared towards um, people who have been in this for a long run and or have had to like give up their career because of having vestibular disorders. Um, but we always stick to kind of a loose definition of things, you know, people who are, are considering or in that transition process, all of us that are part of the group have this understanding of it's a process, it's emotional, it's financially difficult. It's um, There's usually a lot going on during that uh, time period, and we are more than happy to support people through that transition as well. Um, so yeah, so it's been a really great process of like connecting with people. One thing I love is that you guys meet weekly, which was really surprising to me because sometimes this can be really tough to organize all this, but, you know, getting to know you and seeing your type A personality, and I'm sure, you know, your other uh, um, colleagues that helped bring this together is very evident, I will say, by the way, too, when we started emailing back and forth how organized everything was and the resources that you guys um, uh, have drawn together and make accessible for everybody who joins at any point during the, the year. It's really, really great to see how organized and well put together it is and how warm and welcoming you guys were. It really is a safe space um, that you guys have created and it's really commendable. Um, you had mentioned the Life Rebalance Live conference last year. What was your guys' experience um, going through that? Have you guys found it helpful? Was it informational? Uh, what did that look like during the week as you guys were connecting? Sure. Um, I want to give a shout out to um, our co-host, uh, Mary, who is going to be one of the patient panelists um, at this year's conference. So that's so exciting. We're so excited for her. And um but last year, like so many of us get different things because uh, each of us is at a different spot in our in our diagnostic process, in our healing journey. And as we know, healing is not linear. It's not like, oh, I got the diagnosis. Now I'm all better. That's not how that works. Um, and so I think each of us kind of gains different things. Um, I have to say that, you know, between the guest speakers and the panelists and I mean, really getting to talk with other people just like you in um, the discussion boards and stuff, that was really cool to be able to connect with people. And uh, I think that that's um, been a really, really great thing for many of our people. I would say we're probably at least over half of us started with... Um, the Vita conference from last year. And we've added people um, kind of as they've been able to join us. We are so open as far as like, if you can join us for one Tuesday, great. If you can pop in for 15 minutes, 
awesome. Um, we understand that the vestibular journey doesn't always allow you to attend every single meeting. And that's completely okay with us. Um, in fact, that's why there's three of us co-hosts, because even as far as many of us have been in our journey, um, sometimes weather-related stuff, sometimes I'm not feeling good, but Michelle is feeling good or Mary's feeling good. There's three of us there for a reason. And it's also part of the modeling experience of you don't have to do everything by yourself. And life with a vestibular disorder does change things um, as far as what you're able to do on a consistent basis. And so by having all three of us, we're able to have the consistency of the meetings, but also the flexibility of the fact that even as hostesses, we don't always feel good and can't um, host a meeting that particular week. So it's been really good to have that support Michelle and Mary have been awesome to work with, and we have this really great, and I know that you probably felt the vibes <laughs> when you were there with um, your colleague, Dr. Abby, um, but the, the two of you, when you joined us, you could tell some of our group members have been there for the long run as well, and so we have this great core group of people that you know, even though we're technically the hostesses, it's so great to have like this core of us kind of surround new people when they when they come in and, and give them that support and that message. For me, I think the biggest one is you are not alone. This is not just you. This isn't just all in your head. This isn't something you made up. This isn't, you know, at this isn't your fault. And, but yet we're here to kind of create this support system for, for people that have a vast variety of diagnoses um, within the vestibular world. I love that. And I think that is kind of the whole um, essence that surrounded the beginning of this conference was raising awareness and helping people realize you are not alone. And the features that were added in the last year or two of being able to have these breakout rooms and communicate with other people going through exactly what you're going through, I think is um, sometimes the best medicine. I think it's sometimes the, the best feeling that people can get while struggling going through this. You know, vestibular dysfunction is an invisible, invisible illness, right? Not something like having a cast on your hand or having to use crutches or a walker. Um, it's something that you experience and internalize and have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis that people can't actually see and, and um, comprehend what you're going through. So having a support group, having people surround you that know what you're dealing with or have been through the same thing um, is so healing and so great while going through this vestibular journey, a very important piece of that puzzle. I do, I'm going to share all of the information for the support group in the show notes, as well as the conference. Um, and I'll also put it up here. This year's conference, um, I'm very excited about. We have more top-notch um, experts doing some uh, informational sessions, as well as some really great um, patient panelists for the, uh, the fireside chat afterwards. Um, but we're adding new topics this year. Like we have an entire day on tinnitus, um, which I'm sure, you know, is, is on a lot of people's uh, back of their mind just because it's something that's always there, but never addressed. So we're talking about tinnitus and some of the big hitters like triple PD and vestibular migraine. Um, we're going into even just the diagnostic uh, procedures and what people can expect when they're going through all the diagnostic testing. Um, and then hearing from people who've actually gone through all of this, I think is really, really great. So we, we hope if you guys are listening and watching that you join us for Life Rebalance Live. It is the first week of March, uh, March 4th to March 8th, which you guys can watch 
live um, for free, or you can always watch the recordings at your own convenience afterwards for a, uh, for a fee that goes towards um, the Vestibular Disorders Association. And I'm so excited to get to our second half of this episode here with Abby in a little bit, um, where we're going to go through your uh, support group questions, because I will say when we joined you guys, we were blown away at how engaged and informed and the great questions you guys ask. Like we're super excited to, to dive into this list here because they, they are really, really great topics. So thank you so much for organizing all of that and getting all of this to us and coming on today to talk about Be Retired and, and the Life Rebalance Life Conference. We're so grateful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And it's been so wonderful to have your support. And we are just, we are so grateful for this conference coming up. And like I said, our friend Mary um, will be one of the fireside chat um, participants. And we're looking forward to that. And the really cool thing about Vita is when they host this conference and um, they give people a chance to kind of go back and look um, at the videos. So if you, you aren't feeling good right then, you can you can look later in the day and um, also have that follow-up chat and the discussion boards. And that's been really, really good. Uh, life is about connecting with people. And it's just, it's been a great resource for so many of us. And thank you so much for having us on and for supporting those of us with vestibular disorders. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Holly. All right. On to our next segment. Hey guys, it's Abby here. Unclench your jaw, relax your shoulders, take a nice deep breath. Doesn't that feel better? Thank you so much for listening to Talk Dizzy to Me. One of our missions here at Balancing Act Rehab is to spread awareness about vestibular dysfunction. And the best way to do that is with your help. We'd be so grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, review, and share our show with someone you think would benefit from hearing our conversations. Let's get back to it. Hey, Abby. Hello, Danny. We have the second half of an episode that Danny recorded with Holly from a support group called Vita Retired. And what we did was asked the members of Vita Retired to send us some questions, some burning questions that they had for us to answer on an episode. So here are some Q&A from their support group, which we will combine with the episode that Danny recorded with Holly in preparation for the 2024 fourth annual Life Rebounds Live put on by the Vestibular Disorders Association. Yes. So Let's get through these guys and run down uh, with a couple of good answers to these two, because these questions are really good. Um, I think they bring up a lot of really interesting topics, and we'll cover a range of different um, subjects here. So the first question we have is, is there a cure for oscillopsia? And the first thing I want to talk about is, what is oscillopsia? And oscillopsia is essentially bouncing or jumping vision with movement due to an impaired vestibular ocular reflex. Now, we tend to see this with vestibular dysfunction, especially if we have bilateral um, hypofunction or complete bilateral loss. So first, we'll say that oscillopsia is a naturally occurring thing with vestibular dysfunction. It is typically a symptom of uh, vestibular dysfunction and a characteristic of um, where you are in your vestibular journey. People who have um, bilateral hypofunction may not have um, truly debilitating oscillopsia, and it's something that they could potentially work on through gaze stability exercises on managing that and reducing that. 
Um, but I will say that those with complete bilateral loss will likely continue to have oscillopsia ongoing and will have to find substitutions for other types of um, parts of their systems to help them with balance. So the answer to this is if it's a very general, um, mild form of oscillopsia due to vestibular dysfunction that can be improved, then yes, we can work on that. We can stabilize that and get people feeling better. But if we have complete bilateral loss, oscillopsia will be something that you will likely have to turn into a little bit of your new normal as you go through your vestibular journey. But again, everybody's different. Everybody's experience with oscillopsia is going to be different. Now, if you want to understand what oscillopsia looks like, we actually have some examples on our Instagram page as well as in a course that we have coming out soon. So stay tuned. But exactly like Danny said, think of a bad home video when you are walking. So everything around you is kind of that shakiness. It's not steady anymore. That's what oscillopsia is. Next question is, does Meniere's fizzle out after decades? Well, with Meniere's disease, as we age, we do tend to see less vertiginous episodes. So when you're first experiencing Meniere's disease, you might have more frequent attacks that are more debilitating. But as you age, those debilitating attacks tend to settle down. However, you often are left with more pronounced hearing loss as well as that general sense of imbalance. So um, living with Meniere's disease, you're also going to have things that are um, going to potentially stimulate symptoms or kind of um, add into those uh, random attacks uh, like you would have early on. But as Abby mentioned, things can fizzle out and it's different from person to person. So again, I know it's not a straightforward answer, but um, towards the end, um, after a long time, um, you will see just more unsteadiness um, and, and difficulty in that end instead of having the random attacks of um, vertigo episodes. All right. Our next question is what tips do you have for walking in icy parking lots? Now, we used to talk about this a lot when I was living up in Maryland. Um, one thing is walk like a penguin. Mm. So think like a penguin. You want wide base of support. You want your arms out and available out to your sides to help as kind of counter levers and to help with balancing. Um, taking wide base will give you a little bit more stability with shorter step lengths. We're not trying to go taking big strides across the parking lot. Um, just nice little short waddles. You want to see if you can pay attention to where you're parked and if there's things around you that are might be obstacles or things that you can hold on to um, or at least guide you as you go along. Um, the other thing that I recommend is if you are in an environment where you have to experience ice frequently, you can get crampons. So these are little... Um, things that stretch over the bottom of your shoes. They have like a little rubber base with little spikes on them and you can place them on your shoes and have a little bit more traction while walking across um, icy areas. Sometimes you can also carry like a Ziploc baggie of cat litter or salt. And that can help give you a little bit of traction. If you get out of your car and you notice that you've got a big um, thing of ice next to you, you can lay that down and give yourself some traction trying to get in and out of your car or load your car up with groceries or unload it with groceries. So those are just a couple of, of um, a few tips to help with that icy environment. Abby and I uh, are very fortunate now down south that we don't have to worry about that as much, but we still look out for all you guys up north. 
By the way, there is a questionnaire that vestibular therapists use pretty often. It's called the Activity Specific Balance Confidence Scale. And you basically rate your level of confidence from zero to 100% in different situations. And I always have to laugh at the one that asks your confidence level when you're walking on icy surfaces, because who has 100% confidence when you're on ice? It just doesn't really make sense to me. But anyway, moving on. Next question. Does original Medicare allow for unlimited vestibular therapy sessions? Now, here at Balancing Act, we do not take insurance or have an affiliation with Medicare. So Danny will answer this with her experience in the clinic. Yes. So, you know, with Medicare, you there are no caps. that You don't have to stop going to therapy because you've reached some sort of... Um, uh, amount for paying, you know, paying towards your services. Um, essentially, you can continue going for therapy services and receive care if it's considered medically necessary. So if you've got a therapist or a clinician that's working with you and they can continue to document that, show that you're able to maintain or make gains in your current level of function by uh, participating in skilled physical therapy services um, within a certain amount of time. And that if you were to not receive these services that you would likely decline or um, be a hazard uh, to yourself or a harm to yourself, then you can continue treatment. Um, the documentation does become a little bit more tedious the longer you go. But as long as you can justify that you need that type of a skilled service, then yes, you can continue going for as long as you need. And that might change in terms of frequency. You might not be able to go indefinitely two or three times a week, but if you can show that you can now start weighing down from twice a week to maybe once a week or once every other week, and then coming in for tune-ups and reassessments, that's a good way to continue maintaining that relationship in therapy, receiving your skilled services, and then still doing what you need to do at home to be um, consistent and compliant and successful with managing your vestibular journey. Let's see, our next question. What exactly is happening inside your body when you feel dizzy? And this is a very loaded question. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. This is a loaded question. Well, um, first, okay. let's start with talking about the different ways that we describe dizzy, right? We've got vertigo where you've got this false sensation of movement where there is no movement. So the room can be um, spinning. You might feel like you're rocking and swaying constantly. Then you've got um, imbalance, which looking at you, you look drunk walking around. You have a hard time staying upright and not having holding to hold on to things. Then you've got disequilibrium, where it's an internalized sense of rocking, swaying, or motion, even though looking at you, you look totally fine, perfectly fine. Um, then we've got that that stress, that anxiety-induced dizziness um, that can come on feeling like a panic attack. And then we've got lightheadedness, which we more associate with feeling faint or losing consciousness. Now, that's a whole lot of different descriptors that come from a whole ton of different types of causes. Right, Abby? Yeah. And also, you can have multiple of those descriptors when you describe dizziness. So one of the most, the first questions that a provider will ask you is, can you describe your dizziness? Because of just what Danny said, everyone can experience something different. So it also depends on what is causing your symptoms. Something like benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, you will more likely have a symptom related more to room spinning vertigo. Something like 3PD, you might have a sensation more like unsteadiness or an internal sensation that you feel. 
Now, the difference between those different um, causes will actually lead to different um, reasons why you're feeling dizzy. If you've got this mechanical issue of these little crystals with BPPV being displaced in semicircular canals, then you're feeling dizzy and the room looks like it's spinning because your eyes are physically moving in a pattern that we call nystagmus um, that correlates with those little crystals moving around. So we might have your eyeballs moving, giving you a false sensation of movement, making you feel dizzy. In comparison to Abby's example of triple PD, we've got this maladaptation. So the body hasn't adapted to feeling grounded and stable. And you've got this constant sense of rocking and swaying that's coming from an issue coming from the central nervous system or the brain and its maladaptation of movement and adapting to um, those sensations. So again, loaded question, but a great one just because it really does encompass a lot about what we work with with patients. Um, another question we have is family is having a hard time remembering that I have a vestibular problem or I have vestibular dysfunction because I look so normal. What are some good things to say? Yeah. So that is one of the difficult things about vestibular dysfunction is that it's considered an invisible illness. So what does that mean? There's no outward signs. You didn't break your collarbone and have a sling on. You don't have the flu and have a runny nose or whatever other diagnoses and symptoms are associated with it. So what I like to tell people is to first educate. So the more you talk about what's going on with you, the more awareness that other people around you will have. And because the term vestibular is not yet a household term, but we're working on that, guys. Um, educate, educate, educate. Tell them what you're and Be open and honest about it. Initially, it can feel a little bit taboo or maybe embarrassing, or maybe you feel some shame surrounding it. But if you prepare your family, let's say you have Sunday dinner. If you prepare your family that you might have to leave early or you might have to take a break in a quiet room or there are certain foods that trigger your symptoms, the more you talk about it, I think the better off. Another thing that I like to tell people is to share reputable resources. There's so much information for free online. Uh, shameless plug, there's a podcast called Talk Dizzy to Me that talks all about vestibular dysfunction and how it can present. Share things like that. There's also Vestibular Disorders Association that has a lot of online materials. There's various Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts, Facebook accounts, tons of information everywhere that you can share and different podcasts for those that are into that. And then also, I think this is not directly related to your family, but one of the things that can help you as an individual is to perhaps seek psychotherapy. So we're not psycho we're not psychologists we do incorporate some um, techniques into our practice but a, a true psychotherapy session that can help you with acceptance and relationship issues that may come up because you're experiencing symptoms associated with vestibular dysfunction I think can be very powerful and then the last thing I want to recommend is, you hear us say this a lot, but have grace with yourself, right? Accept, self-soothe, do what feels good, say no when you need to. All of those things I think can help strengthen familial relationships, especially with family that is not so understanding. Really, really great points. Um, our next question is, what do you do when you still can't get a diagnosis after many doctor's appointments? And with this one, just know you are not alone. Mm -mm. 
you know, a thing that is difficult is a lot of times we want to put a name to something to figure out how to help it. And um, one thing that I think we talk about a lot with our patients is, okay, like as much as it would be great to have a diagnosis, and I'm sure we will reach one eventually, you'll get with the right physician or clinician that's going to help you figure this out and put a name to this officially. But in the time being, let's focus on those functional deficits, how to potentially help them and make them feel better and improve your quality of life along that journey. Just because you don't have a diagnosis yet doesn't mean there isn't something that you can actively do now to start to try to feel better. And as you start to you know, figure out pieces of that puzzle, um, things might become a little bit more clear and might be a little bit easier for, for those clinicians to diagnose. So don't stop trying, but also don't get so flustered that um, missing the actual stamp of approval or diagnosis inhibits you um, from living your life and following that quality care. Yeah. And certainly diagnosis plays a role in your treatment plan, of course, but a lot of what guides our treatment is your functional impairments. What are you having problems with in everyday life and how can we help you regain and take regain quality of life and take control of your life again? So keep that in mind that not having a specific diagnosis doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get better. And on top of that, you can have several diagnoses working together at once that require the same type of therapy sometimes. Um, last question is neuropathy and vestibular disorders. How do you cope? So that can be um, another complicated but great question. Um, with this, neuropathy is something that we commonly see with a lot of patients with vestibular dysfunction just because, you know, this is a comorbidity that comes up, um, you know, in conjunction with just getting uh, more advanced in age, <laughs> not getting older, getting more advanced in age. It can be something that happens naturally or in combination with things like low back pain or low back issues or diabetes. So with neuropathy, it is a um, dysfunction that's going to make it difficult to balance just because this sensory system is one of the main systems that help us contribute to balance. Um, and having a vestibular disorder also makes it make it a thousand times more difficult. So dizziness, imbalance, um, you know, it, they're going to go hand in hand. So how do we cope with that? Well, uh, there was an, a wonderful talk with uh, Dr. Kingma with Vita not that long ago, and we're actually um, hoping to get Dr. Kingma on our podcast here in the next couple of months to talk about different types of technology with haptics and vibration feedback to tell you where you are in space. Also going through physical therapy and making sure that you strengthen uh, and other types of therapy as well, but strengthen these other mechanisms that can help contribute to feeling balanced and feeling functional. So keeping your legs strong and using substitution exercises to better strengthen um, different systems within our body that contribute to balance. Now, also looking at our functional space around us, making sure if you're moving around, you're walking around in well-lit areas so that we don't have any obstacles or things to trip over. We're using our visual system to see where we're going and moving in space that we're not going to become disoriented is extremely helpful. Wearing proper footwear and the right clothing so we're not going to trip over anything or catch our feet on anything is very important. So there's a lot of things that we can do despite having these, these issues to still keep us safe and keep us functional. Did I leave anything out with that, Abby? 
Well, especially if you're more prone to falls or if you have had a recent fall, you want to take into consideration some of those things Danny just mentioned, but also don't be afraid to implement things in your house that make it a little safer, like grab bars in your bathroom if you need to. Um, Also making sure you are taking care of your other senses. If you need assistance with hearing, you're seeing your doctor to get hearing aids. And if your vision isn't the best, you're wearing your glasses or your contacts or whatever it is you use for corrective lenses. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is that Danny mentioned keeping your legs strong and and that is very important, but also having guidance and how to maintain your balance or improve your balance can be really helpful. So one of the things that people do, at least in our population, and sometimes they don't realize it, is they change the way that they move to avoid provoking symptoms. So if you have neuropathy, like Danny said, your sensation is off. But then also if you have vestibular disorders on top, a vestibular disorder on top of it, things like head movement might further throw your balance off. So working with a vestibular therapist to do exercises that you might not even realize would be problematic can be a key to maintaining your health and decrease your risk for falls. We hope we had your questions answered in the way that you were uh, anticipating or hoping. And we're really grateful to the folks over at Vita Retired for continuing to be engaging and providing a really great place for people to meet and find support, especially when dealing with symptoms for a longer period of time in their vestibular journey. So thank you to Holly. Thank you to the guys at Vita Retired. Remember, we've got our big conference coming up March 4th to March 8th. Uh, It's completely free if you watch live or within 24 hours of um, airing those uh, chats where we're talking to medical experts as well as patient panels for for those of you who need your family to understand um, have them watch along too it's not just for patients it's for anybody who uh, is supporting somebody with vestibular dysfunction and then those are always available for purchase um, after the conference that you can watch at any time indefinitely so be sure to check that out Abby thanks for helping me knock these questions out and We look forward to talking to all of you again soon. Have a good night. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. The content of this podcast is based on general knowledge and information available up until the recording of this specific episode. Medical knowledge and practices may evolve over time, and new information may emerge that could change the understanding or treatment of vestibular dysfunction. It is important to consult a qualified healthcare professional for the most up-to-date and personalized advice. The information provided in this podcast is meant to complement, not replace, the relationship that exists between a patient and their healthcare provider. It is intended to empower patients with knowledge about vestibular dysfunction and its management, but individual cases may vary and treatment approaches should be tailored to each patient's unique circumstances. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge and agree to the terms of this medical disclaimer. The organizers, presenters, and creators of this podcast are not liable for any actions or decisions taken by individuals based on the information presented herein. Always consult with a qualified healthcare provider for medical advice and treatment.